Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So on Reformation Sunday, minds typically navigate and gravitate to the 1517 posting of Luther's 95 Theses in Wittenberg. However, in just a few years, Wittenberg itself would have its own kind of mess. 500 years ago, celebrates this year in 1522 the printing and translation of Luther's German New Testament. It also is when Luther came out of hiding against the wishes of Frederick the Wise, his protector. The reason was to address, you see, the self-declared prophets that arrived in Wittenberg from a nearby village. These Zwicka prophets, as they called them, were not bearing papal authority. Oh no, it was much more dangerous in some ways. Their claim was to having direct revelation by the Holy Spirit above God's word. It brought violence and unrest to Wittenberg, with some major reforms. And so convincing were they that even Melanchthon, when you read about it, was kind of beside himself on what to do. Luther was not going to let his own safety be at the expense of the gospel. And so he made up his mind. And on his way back to Wittenberg, Luther wrote to Frederick saying... I have no intention of asking your grace for protection. Indeed, I think I shall protect you more than you are able to protect me. And he concludes saying, I have written this letter in haste so that your grace may not be disturbed at hearing of my arrival. For if I would be a Christian, I must help everybody and harm nobody. It is somebody other than Duke George, with whom I have to do. Jesus Christ knows me very well, and I have some knowledge of him too. If your grace believed, you would see the glory of God, but because you do not yet believe, you have not yet seen it. God be praised and worshiped forever. Amen. You see... Luther's persistence was more from being than, than beyond being a German, but to the truth that had taken hold. And in this instance, he was obeying God rather than men or government. And this wasn't the bad government. This was the good government that was protecting Luther. But he still had to return home. You see, to abide in Christ is by God's grace Freedom, the greatest freedom, to be truly his disciples. And so abiding does not come from within ourselves, but comes to us as a proclamation. It happened in the garden. If Satan came proclaiming to abide in his lies and what he kind of keeps putting humanity into with the same unbelief to abide in that, Jesus proclaims the greater truth for us all. Now he told the Jews that already believed in him. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth 
will set you free. Belief in Jesus was an empty claim if it did not abide in his word. And so abide here is a word that can also mean live, endure, or continue in his word. And that's what makes for being a disciple. Only by Jesus and his word does a new reality come to his disciples that relies on that pure grace that God gives. And so Christ brings a proclamation to abide in him, and Luther received this head-on from scriptural law. Certainly as a monk, and a doctor of theology, he studied God's word. But this abiding, that kind of reading and learning was a work no less than what the Jews were doing. He didn't see Jesus the right way. Instead of working the text, you see, to fit his agenda or the standard of reasoning for his time, it came as Christ and the Holy Spirit, abiding in the word, worked upon him. And so the gospel was first seen, you might know. The first text that kind of made the light bulb come on was Romans chapter 1, verse 17. But what St. Paul says today for us speaks about the righteousness of God too, the same way. One is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Abiding in Jesus matters. Since his word is the truth promising salvation and faith is a life by grace to truly be his disciples. However, you know this, our abiding naturally belongs to other captivities. The Jews saw the idolatrous ways of the Gentiles, but were unable to grasp Jesus and the need to abide in his word. They said... We're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? So it's this kind of pride that kept Israel in the dark many times throughout the Old Testament. But especially, and most importantly, when the Messiah came. Theirs was a pride in the flesh. A true and real heritage, but... It did not abide in them of what, was not, of what they did not really truly stand out before Jesus to see, of what he pointed out very clearly for them. Israel was not the promise, only a caretaker to something more promising from God. For Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. What hindered the Jews also clouded the papacy that was the governing authority power in Luther's time. And now this pride takes on new forms today. It can come from majority rules, and that must be the truth. Slavery to self-made safeties and even legalistic demands of glory. As enemies of Christ in the past, so it goes still for the false prophets and disciples today, any who would despise Christ's word. Without this justifying work of Jesus as Savior, we sinners only have one course. You only have one course, and it will be to justify 
ourselves. Being captive to the word alone is the truth. And the truth is Christ redeems us. For everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. Captivities caused by sin, death, and the devil, as we all know and can feel, face an answer of forgiveness by God that exceeds present expectations and glories for this life. It's a forgiveness of true salvation, a peace that, indeed, as we always hear, passes all understanding. Abiding is freedom truly to be disciples by grace. Instead of their claim to Abraham, Jesus made the would be true faith. They thought they understood belief. They thought they understood what it means it was to be saved, and they had none of it. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son is forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. To abide in his word, Christ's word, was to abide in the promise of the Father sending his Son. By his sacrifice and resurrection, the truth bestowed freedom to be an eternal gospel with disciples spiritually created by God's grace as a gift of his word. I think sometimes today, we have lots of different kinds of gospels. But there's only one eternal good news that abides before all the generations of man to hear and to receive. St. John kind of does this for us already in his opening chapter 1 of the gospel text. Wants us to abide in that kind of eternal gospel promise. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. While sinners remain for only so long, and that applies to each and every one of us, you're only in the house, in this earth, in this time for so long, But you are even more sons and daughters by God and that good grace. You have been freed with the blood of Christ, justified in him and born new by the work of God. Yes, it happened 2,000 years ago by his death and resurrection, but it has come to you today, as you know, as a gift through his word and sacrament. It is not a belief for a moment I like that idea, check it off, or tuck it away in, my, in my, my pocket. It's an abiding and a new reality, promised daily in Christ by baptism. It's what we learn and grow in as we're baptized as children, and maybe not as adults. We grow and learn what that reality means through confirmation, but also in the home, more importantly, where it's nurtured and understood what that reality looks like for us to live in, an ever-decreasing non-Christian nation. 
Instead of individualized glories, you see, disciples gather to receive what Jesus brings of his pure word and sacrament. Not of a side thing, but the central thing. And whether it's the competitive spirit of our age today or the threatening things of Luther's time, the church belongs and still abides in Christ. No other glory or goodness but God by the cross delivers sins forgiven. Death is destroyed. And hell itself and all its raging and all its wiliness of what it wants to look like on earth and even hell itself is silenced. To abide in the gospel by faith is to be a household built on the word. And this grace bears fruitfulness. Luther wasn't trying to tell the behaviors. I mean, he preached about what was right, but he wasn't being a social scientist. He was simply preaching for his sins forgiven, calling the reality of life to repent and believe the gospel. And he knew where those who would believe that gift by the work of the Holy Spirit alone, fruitfulness would come. Love as we know, for each other as God has loved us. And a witness unknown to the world, but known by you, it belongs to you, a gift for all those in Christ Jesus. And so when Luther returned to Wittenberg, you have to understand, he was probably antsy because he'd been locked up for almost close to a year in hiding from being killed. And he could still be killed. But he went and preached the first week of Lent for eight straight days. I like to go to church for that. I wouldn't want to write that many sermons. But such false prophets were to be given no leeway. And in time, the radical reforms died out. The sword of God's word cut, and it healed with Christ alone. Where Frederick the ruler, the one protector of Luther, could not do anything. And so, spiritual preservation is key to keeping the justified by faith alive. And, and so we sang it. The word they still shall let remain, nor any thanks have for it. He's by our side upon the plain with his good gifts in spirit. To abide in Christ is, by God's grace, freedom. Freedom unknown and what has not been won through wars or through ways of what we think about in our world today that is so free, but it's an abused freedom. This is a freedom of abiding in Jesus, truly for us. And what does that mean? to truly be his disciples, a gift of grace. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.